Hello, and welcome to Lodestar's Lending Leaders. I'm Jim Paolino, founder and CEO of Lodestar Software Solutions. On this podcast, I'm going to be talking to leaders in the mortgage and real estate industries. Our goal is to talk about current events, interesting things from their end of the industry, and anything else that we feel is fascinating. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Lodestar's Lending Leaders. We have a great guest today, a friend of mine, Candace Russell, who I've met through the industry over the years. She's currently vice president at Carrington Holding Company, focusing on default servicing, government relationships. She's also the founder of You Are Represented, uh, which focuses on mentoring and leadership on women and minorities in the industry. Um, Also, some other fun facts that we'll get into throughout. Um, Candice is both wonderful to talk to and a wealth of industry knowledge. So very excited. Um, And that's underselling it. So you know, this is going to be a fun conversation. Been looking forward to it. Uh, Candace, thanks for coming on. You've given me a lot to live up to in this podcast. Oh, you're, you're ready. I'm, I'm excited. Um, I think this will, this will be some fun, fun things to cover. So I like to always start, no one grows up and wants to be um, a mortgage banker and probably even less so wants to be focused on default servicing. Um, so what kind of got you to the place in the industry now? What got you into the industry to begin with? Um, I, uh, I tell this story sometimes when we do uh, speaking events mm-hmm. and things like that. Uh, I like to say that I fell down the rabbit hole. Uh, I maybe had a rowdy tipsy night uh, one time in Huntington, West Virginia, and me and a bunch of friends decided we were moving to Philadelphia. <laughs> and uh, a, a friend, uh, a, a friend's mom said, hey, I need a, we, we need a receptionist. And I was like, I'm a waitress, I can do reception. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the truth is, is I continued to be in this business because I read big, nasty books that nobody else wanted to read, mm-hmm. known as handbooks and guidebooks and mortgagee mm-hmm. letters. And uh, so as the receptionist, I got the dirty work and mm-hmm. uh, I ended up loving it. Mm-hmm. That's a great story, too. I, I like I'm based in Philly. So having the, the Philly component to it is is funny and now you know as doing the big guide books and that nasty work how has that changed and what you're doing and seems to be a whole lot of it now in dealing with the government and all of the other things that touch this industry i still tend to do a lot of big book reading uh, mm-hmm. except now mm-hmm. instead of reading it and just saying we have to just deal with this this is how it is i often get to provide feedback to the people who write it mm-hmm. uh, and try to help uh, you know, remove the, where it says must instead of should, right. <laughs> or, uh, you know, and all of a sudden there's a new guideline that, you know, you've got seven days and we're like, that's impossible. Seven yeah. days is impossible for this test. So uh, one of the things that I really like about all this, you know, the, the CFR reading and all the stuff mm-hmm. that gets really just, you know, puts you to sleep at night. Um, one of the things that I really like now is that I get to help participate. And mm-hmm. uh, so I would say anybody that wants to help participate just has to be really into reading. <laughs> I like the plug for literacy. I think that's a good, <laughs> that's a good kid takeaway already from, from um, the podcast. So in, in looking over the guidelines and kind of diving into that a little more, what are the things that you find um, companies end up struggling with the most right now and where, what are creating kind of most of the the pitfalls even before we get into everything related to COVID? Uh, Okay, so outside of COVID, uh, most of it comes down to small interpretations and then um, 
individual differences, and that is uh, when um, the CFPB mm -hmm. uh, gives their interpretation of something and it's different than the agency's interpretation. Mm -hmm. um, those are where everybody gets really involved and, you know, has to get legal counsel and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, consultant opinions and all that kind of thing. So uh, can you charge this fee? It doesn't say yes or no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then, uh, so that's, I think, where most people outside of COVID, uh, mm -hmm. and even inside COVID, uh, it comes mm -hmm. down to, um, you know, we're trying to do the right thing. Everybody's trying to do the right thing. Yeah. The difference is, is everybody can read things a little differently. And mm -hmm. if, if something is silent, you have to make your own interpretations. Mm -hmm. And if something is very direct, but in opposition to other opinions mm -hmm. and other guidance, you've got to fight for it. Mm -hmm. So I assume it's not a tie goes to a runner situation um, when those things are a little bit vague. So what what is the general way you see companies dealing with that when there is that ambiguity in a given legislation? Are they going to err on the side of caution? Always. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. There's not a whole lot of people who want to err. And I would mm -hmm. say that caution might be the wrong word. We want to err on the side of the consumer. Most mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of the first light you try to say, am I doing the right thing? Right. Uh, and it, most of the time, if you can understand why you're doing the right thing, um, that mm -hmm. helps uh, with how you were doing work. And mm -hmm. if you find out that you're doing it wrong, most of the time there's some safe harbor or something um, because everybody was trying to do the right thing. Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, regulators recognize that sometimes as long mm -hmm. as there's no misbehavior. Mm -hmm. And do you see kind of the regulator outlook changing over the last year? I mean, uh, obviously, we've got a. Um, we had quite a change uh, at the CFPB when um, the Trump administration came in, and um, mm -hmm. we had um, those heads. And now it's going to change. And uh, mm -hmm. you know, they've yeah. made very clear that mortgage servicing, in particular, mm -hmm. is something they're going to be focusing on, particularly mm -hmm. because of COVID. So mm -hmm. um, I would say that. Everybody does the good a good job based upon the priorities that they have. Mm -hmm. So if you know if your priority at the CFPB is student loans or uh, mm -hmm. you know auto title loans because that's where the volume of complaints right. and the pain is coming from, mm -hmm. then you're going to focus on that. So uh, having the new administration come in, they've made it clear that mortgage mm -hmm. servicing is in their in their book. Mm -hmm. Yep, I mean makes. Makes sense, um, you know, especially when you're dealing with the how large these transactions are to people. Buying a car is one thing, but buying a house that can cost so much more. Um, the word mortgage is death pledge. Yep. <laughs> at the root. So yes, they're going to be a little yeah. more concerned with that than an unsecured loan. Yeah, no, it, it, it definitely makes sense. And um, in dealing kind of on the default space too, obviously there's been... Um, a lot of forbearance relief right now. Um, how are you anticipating that changing? Like, how are you dealing with default servicing when defaults are currently down? So I would say what a lot of people doing, including us, is um, mm -hmm. you are making sure that your staff is mm -hmm. being moved to areas where you need it. Lost yeah. Mitt now has people that were working back, you know, claims right. and, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and prop pres, and right. they're being retrained. Uh, mm -hmm. You're uh, also using this time. Remember, uh, even though default servicing hasn't been in the news a lot lately, because it right. was like on the lower end of foreclosures mm -hmm. and everything, um, yeah. 
a lot of people still were getting rid of the granite from the recession, you know, yeah. just those leftover, just can't seem to get yep. out of the system loans. So mm-hmm. um, the, the, those, those back of the house functions were still very much active, yeah. even if they weren't being, you know, spotlighted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we, we trade We trade our staff. That's, that's one of the things that we've done. It makes sure that you uh, keep a continuity. It, it expands the, mm-hmm. um, the range of your workers mm-hmm. and it keeps everybody employed. It's a good idea. Yeah. I think one, one thing I'm, I find interesting and I've um, for the last I think five months now had a Google alert up for forbearance just to stay up on news and things that happen is what's going to happen when that gets removed. And, you know, part of the the open questions of is interest accumulating during these periods? How is this going to affect someone's ability to refinance? What if someone does like want, doesn't want forgiveness right now, but it gets granted. It seems like there's just, your trading speed for accuracy. And I get that you have to do that in a lot of cases, but what are all these things that we're not realizing that are going to be headaches and create um, a lot of fine print for someone like you? So I would say that there's a difference. People forget that there's a difference between the forbearance hold mm-hmm. and then the exit. Okay. Um, so just because somebody was on a forbearance hold doesn't mean they're all going to get the same exits. Mm-hmm. So Anybody could have got the hold. Somebody that was five years down could have got the hold. Mm -hmm. They are not going to have the same exit as somebody Mm -hmm. that uh, went in in March. Um, uh, At least not yet, right? Mm That we might see the options broaden. HUD just did that. They they just broadened their uh, scope a little bit to allow more relief. Mm -hmm. Um, What I will say is I think everybody in the beginning last year was worried about a tsunami, Mm -hmm. you know, just a tsunami of foreclosures. Um, And what has happened is everybody learned from the the last problem mm-hmm. and said, we need options and we mm-hmm. want people to be pretty much right back where they were before the world went, you know, mm-hmm. went crazy. So um, we've been given a lot of options that will allow us to do that mm-hmm. for quite a few people now, not everybody. Okay. Um, but even though they might not get those COVID options, they still have other options right. to them, you know, which is the normal loss met waterfalls provided by product. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of options that we have here that we didn't have last yeah. time, you know, like everybody mm-hmm. was scrambling after, you know, a mountain of foreclosures uh, amassed to try to come up with something. Right. And now we had a, we, we, we had a, you know, a path to already yeah. get to that. So I mean, in I'm some a, ways we one have the the benefit of hindsight from last time, yes. but also this one we see coming, right? This is, I think, been a topic I'm sure for, for you for the last year, at least now too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, it took them a long time to figure out what HAMP and TARP and everything was going to look like last yeah. time. And this time we said, ah, we kind of, we kind of know what worked and what didn't. Yeah. So what do we do with this? What, right. what was the most relief? Yeah. So um, I really mm-hmm. think that things like the partial claims uh, mm-hmm. and MRAs and the deferrals are going to make a difference in not seeing a tsunami. We might, we'll probably see increased, yeah. but not, not the tsunami. Hopefully it can be more of like a wave pool. Yes. That's the plan. Yeah. Good. Well, shifting gears a little bit. Um, I know we met through the um, Young Mortgage Professionals group uh, via MBA um, and both do a lot with people in the industry who aren't the traditional people in the mortgage industry, as the MBA calls themselves, um, stale, male, and pale, right? And I'm, I'm, only, I'm only one one word away from that on my end. So um, <laughs> I think it's important to um, 
would love to kind of talk about your ideas a little bit of what you see of people getting into the industry. How are people now getting into this industry? What are you doing when you're working with people who are, you know, your age when you had started and kind of see their paths going? So um, obviously we, I, I think that there's a lot of things systematically that can be mm -hmm. done to uh, add to the pool. If, it, you know, if you've ever mm -hmm. read any of the studies on it, things like anonymizing your resumes, Mm -hmm. name, location isn't there, you know, um, having chat interviews. Now, I'm not saying that everybody utilizes those, but there are ways if you want to mm -hmm. be a little less unconsciously biased in your hiring. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just, you know, every industry has the right. options for, for that. So, um, but what I like is that people are bringing it up. And when you bring it up, no. people decide whether that's an important focus for them. And, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not, um, I think everybody, especially in this kind of industry, we tend to hire, the, you know, we see ourselves in somebody and we're like, mm -hmm. oh, they'll do good. They'll be excellent right. at this research thing. Cause I was good at that. And they remind me of myself. So, um, mm -hmm. I think it's, uh, it's requires us yeah. to really look and say, I want to hire things that are not in front of me. Like mm -hmm. that, that yeah. don't necessarily just reflect mm -hmm. what I like about myself. <laughs> so you're you're saying if someone um interv you interview and they say they moved to Texas on a whim after a big night, you're hired. So yeah, yeah it, it, you know, there's come on there's, Yeah, there's things definitely. Yeah. You know, they connect you with people. Now, yeah. uh, I I really think that you know if if you're looking, one of the things that we talk about in my just little personal group is you know mm -hmm. uh, if you're in management take a moment to consciously think about what you're doing and, and right. does, does your management look like your floor? That's one really good, you know, Yeah. like, does your management look like your floor? And uh, obviously sometimes it's not going to, and you have to decide if that's right. a problem or not. Uh, and mm -hmm. I think most people look at it and say, I'm doing the best with what I got. And they have to decide, is it time to do more or better? Yeah. I think that's one thing you see a lot in the industry with, you know, the the spaces that the industry is diverse is usually not the conference hall floor. Um, when you deal with people who are executives, people in sales roles, it usually is a lot different from everyone else who, who work at these companies. Um, and I guess that could be one thing that's good about now not having conferences or being virtual. It, it, it does kind of More level that playing come. field a little bit. Yeah, exactly. It's easier for people to go in and listen and get the content and, and network and, you know, the way that we've been networking for the last year. So mm -hmm. it's, I, I hope that it changes. And I, I really like what you're saying about um, wanting to see yourself in the process um, because I think that's such a powerful um, tool for any organization, not only, you know, me wanting to hire someone I see myself in, but also if I have someone in a sales role um, and I have a loan officer and I want young people to buy their first homes with my company, I should have someone who those people see themselves in. So I, I, I think all too often, um, you know, the, the right thing to do and the thing that actually helps your business can be the same thing. I think that's true for compliance. I think that's true for diversity in this industry. Well, and and studies on diversity and everything show it's not just this, oh, I'm doing the right thing. It's good for business. Yeah. 
It is good for business. So that's, you know, I, I hate to make it a bottom line thing because I'd love to, you know, just make yeah. it this moral stand, but it, it's good for business. Yeah. It's good for your customers. It's good to bring different points of view into your business. Mm-hmm. Everybody carries different skills. And uh, also I'll point out that when you see yourself in somebody else, you tend to mentor and guide them more. Mm-hmm. So that is one of the things that, um, you know, again, is an active decision to go, am I, am I doing that for the people that I need to do that for, for the people who have expressed interest in, mm-hmm. you know, moving up, moving, moving through changing, uh, am I get doing that even though I don't see myself in them? Because it's real easy when we see somebody that reminds us of ourselves to go mm-hmm. and to make sure they know this. Yeah. Uh, and it's a little harder when you've got right. 80, a hundred people, maybe more. And, um, you're, you're, you know, it's a little more, you've got to be a little more prescriptive with your time. Right. Or in some cases, maybe you're not the right person for them, but you can help find that person. Correct. Too. I think there's a lot of other ways to use that network and help. And part of the nice thing now about groups like Impact um, is able to kind of bring those things together a little bit better, hopefully. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I think going along that line of kind of the right thing to do also being the best thing, I'm um, going back to compliance. Um, how can you, how do you get that point across to people of like, not only are we doing this cause we don't want to get in trouble, but it also helps the organization. Like, so I love in DEI, there's a thing, uh, there's something, and I, I apologize because I'm going to steal it and not yeah. quote who it's from, but mm-hmm. um, they talk about moving from compliance to culture. Mm-hmm. So a compliance-based program would be, um, they call it measuring people mm-hmm. and then or, or counting people, and then a culture-based program, which you tend to move into after a compliance-based program, mm-hmm. is uh, making people count. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I know it sounds uh, yeah. like more like a cheesy sales pitch, right. uh, but I like it because compliance culture, there's nothing wrong with compliance culture. There's nothing sh- wrong with making sure that you're doing business with small businesses, especially mm-hmm. when required by your contracts. There's yeah. absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, it is, do you have the want and drive to move into a culture, not just mm-hmm. a compliance? So I think that that is, um, you know, one, you've got to show the benefit of it. Most people mm-hmm. need to see a benefit to make changes. Yeah. Um, and two, um, you have to be in a position to where you, so this is kind of how I feel about my little side group. And that is mm-hmm. um, work within your own sphere of influence. Yeah. What is your sphere of influence? Uh, whether you are, uh, you know, a line level worker or you're at a VP level or you're at mm-hmm. an EVP level, um, work within your sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. And when you kind of want to make that argument to people, what have you found is the most impactful way of doing it? I wish I could say, uh, and this is this is just, you know, working in my own little group and being part of Empower and Impact yeah. and, um, you know, women in finance and all that. Um, mm-hmm. I would say that a return on investment is the the very first thing that people need to see. Mm-hmm. And then you can talk about all the great, wonderful things that um, feel with that. But, you know, mm-hmm. if there's going to be money put into positions and training programs and mentoring mm-hmm. programs, and yeah. it's all wonderful. Um, but everybody needs to be able to see the return on that investment. What is it going to keep people longer? Is it going to attract new talent? You know? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important too, to just keep that in mind that 
you know, I think millennials always get um, put in, in, in a boat that, oh, no, they don't care about making money or doing these things. It's part of the reason you push for these things is it helps. It, it makes a big difference down the road. So I think it's it's important to do that. And I like your point about kind of the, the impact on working within your influence, because I think people don't realize how many of the little decisions they make can have impacts of who they're bringing into the organization or who is even looking at them from um, things that I've seen, like where you're posting applications um, of how people can get to that, even like requiring people right away to be on a video chat or something like that. Or um, one of my big kind of pet peeves are unpaid internships, right? Like that is a very easy way to completely skew who's coming into your organization. Um, but it's something that people don't always put enough thought into. And I don't know if you've seen other areas like that of like the little little changes that can go a long way. What I would say, and maybe I'm getting too much into my own world here. Yeah. One of the things that I think is one of the smallest things that I do that has the biggest mm -hmm. impact on the people that I come in contact with is I ask them, what are your goals? Mm -hmm. And I ask them what their goals are pretty much every year. And I don't mean like, I have people that want to be drummers and I've mm -hmm. asked them, is that a career? Is that a hobby? You know, like we, we mm -hmm. kind of go in more in depth. Is that a career? Is that a hobby? And they mm -hmm. go, I'd love it to be a career, but it's probably not going to, I'm like, okay, well, what, as long as it's not a career for you, what do you want to do here with your career? Mm -hmm. You know, it may not be your number one love, but mm -hmm. here you are, what are we going to do with it? And um, I have found that by just asking, I find out who wants to really move forward. Yeah. And grow and do more and who's happy just coming in, doing their job, going home mm -hmm. and which you absolutely need in every organization. You need the people who like their jobs and yeah. just, yeah. So um, I would say not assuming what people want is, is you know, actually mm -hmm. asking them and asking them regularly. And there's a second question, especially if people want to move up that I ask, which is what do you think you're going to be doing in management? Mm -hmm. And if their answer is, um, I want to go into management for more money, then we talk about how to path them as an individual contributor. If right. they really don't like the things that come with management, people management, yeah. uh, H HR work, uh, and things like- uh, All that you know, reading you talked yeah. about, yeah. Yeah, all the reading. Yeah. And um, you know, I was like, and when they say, oh, I just want to help my- fellow members. I'm like, well, if you go into management, you're going to be talking to them about the fact that, you know, their jeans are ripped. Yeah. Is that, is that what you're looking for? Because mm -hmm. helping them yeah. in this case is not going to be what I think you think it is. And so yeah. um, finding who needs to be an individual contributor and finding ways to make them the income that they want on that path. And then finding right. who, who really has a want and a drive to go into management. Those two mm -hmm. things have made a big difference for me. No, I've asked a similar question in, in reviews in my last round where I say, we're at 15 people now. I want this company to grow. What do you think your role is when we're at 50 people? And it kind of does that same thing of seeing how people view themselves. It, it gives them kind of that excitement of like, oh, I think I can do this. Or, and it helps you as a manager because as you're planning that, you can be like, oh, not only do I think this person is capable of doing this, but they have the genuine desire and they're just not waiting for their drumming career to take off. Or yeah, so I, I like looking at I, I used to play a lot of uh, World of Warcraft <laughs> uh, and you have to, in this game, you have to be balanced in your teams, right? right? Yeah. So you gotta know who's who's what and where they're at, what their skills are to create the a good team to to really 
kick, kick butts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I tried to look at it that way, knowing everybody's stats. I don't know World of Warcraft well enough to make a good reference about it, about different skill sets, but I can definitely understand with there's people who just enjoy more introverted work or more extroverted work, or, you know, most people wouldn't want to pick up the phone and call people all day. Other people love it. So I think it's really important to find that, that superpower that everyone has or the thing they enjoy doing. So, um, the, we're, we're wrapping up here. Um, I do have two things. Um, the, First, I always like to ask everyone, if you could solve one problem in the industry, wave a magic wand um, and fix it, what what would it be? Um, and this is not because I don't love it. I do love it. It's my it's my my heart. And that is uh, FHA conveyance. It's just mm-hmm. a compl- it's a complex process and everybody wants to do it better and faster. Yeah. And you know what I mean? So if I had a magic wand. Uh, probably put me out of a job, but I, mm-hmm. I, I, that's, that, I know that's something nothing, I'd make I know easier. nothing about FHA conveyance, so I don't even uh, know it, where to say it is. It is just my heart. I love it. I, yeah. I love looking at it every day, but it is difficult, um, especially if you haven't been exposed to it, yeah. uh, to understand it. And so I would make it easier. Mm-hmm. And what do you, what would the repercussions of that be for, for everyone or for the consumer, I guess? For the consumer, um, mm-hmm. Uh, see, if the consumer, for me, it would be um, things like releasing their credit, mm-hmm. their, their, their credit um, issues when they've gone through a problem yeah. on a previous loan. That would mm-hmm. happen faster. And um, then, you know, the hope would be that ultimately, anytime in servicing, it's mm-hmm. hard to say, especially default servicing and mine, yeah. which is back in default servicing, mm-hmm. you hope that it affects the consumer eventually by affecting cost of servicing, which right. you hope makes the products uh, And things affordable. like a release of credit or, or processing goes faster is yeah. ultimately better. And I think that's, that's tough. And that's always an area you see of, you know, actually mapping out the ROI of that stuff of how, how is this actually helping? Um, because it's, it's back office, it's compliance, it's something we just have to do. But if you do it better, there's actually, you know, more. Yes. And, and there's always that heart of uh, proving a negative. This didn't happen. So we, yeah, yeah, we didn't have that. You know what I mean? So as someone who sells calculators for a living, I definitely can understand that too. It's, you know, not not exactly something everyone sees, but when there's a problem, it, it becomes very important. So um, and I saw from doing a little research before this um, on your personal hobbies, you're both a banjo player and a roller derby player or I don't know the the do you have a good roller derby name or I was Killy Kapowski <laughs> I've got a few other ones too but uh yeah I will say this I'm bad at both things yeah but I like them I so. think that's important you just need to find something that you enjoy doing yeah yeah I'm bad at both things I'm not particularly competitive I'm more of a team player so yeah. uh but one of the things that I love about roller derby is that it's mm-hmm. uh highly female led and mm-hmm. uh, you know, there, there are men's tournaments too and there's co-ed and whatnot, but I yeah. uh, really love that. And um, I, I did some refereeing, well, you know, mm-hmm. again, when you're yeah. not good at things, you, you try to just help. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I may not be able to uh, throw down like they used to do with the Thunderbirds for, you know, <laughs> LA, but yeah. uh, I, I enjoy the skating and banjo I'm also bad at, but um, 
growing up in West Virginia, not necessarily the rural parts, but yeah. my brother always said if wood had a voice, it would be a banjo. And I just agreed with him <laughs> and like, love it. Uh, yeah, well, I, I think that's a great note to end it on. I, uh, I really appreciate your time. This was a fun conversation. Hope to have you back at some point. Absolutely. Oh, and is there, there, sorry, anything, if, if people want to find you, anything you want to plug or mention about Carrington, um, forgot to give you the, the opportunity. Oh, no, no. I, I mean, you know, I, I love Carrington. If mm -hmm. you need to get a hold of me, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm fairly easy to Google and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, also do all the work with the NBA. I'd love to see anybody work with our impact, empower any of the groups, uh, Ma, all that. I love to meet everybody. Uh, if you want to say hello, say hello. Yeah, hopefully we'll have in-person conferences sometime soon. Yes. Great. Well, thanks so much, Candice. Appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to Lodestar's Lending Leaders. Please like and subscribe wherever you get this podcast. If you have any ideas for upcoming episodes or would like to be a guest, please reach out to us at lendingleaders at lssoftwaresolutions.com. Hope to hear from you.